Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 27, called King Over the Storm. Jesus is making a claim to be the Son of Man from the book of Daniel. To have a kingdom that will be his, that he will be ruler forever, that he will be king of kings and lord of lords, that he will rule forever, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That's what he's claiming. But there's something else here that I think we need to see. Son of man also is a parallel with son of God. And Jesus is 100% God, but took on the additional nature of humanity. Never stopped being God, but became man. And in the boat, he's going to be asleep during a radical storm where water is even filling up the boat. He was exhausted. And so when you pray to Jesus, he knows what it's like to be exhausted. He healed, it seems like, from the early morning into the late evening. He was you know, facing the forces of evil. And in his humanity, he slept even through a storm. Now, some of you, when you're on planes, can sleep through turbulence, and you really annoy me. You know, there's people, you know, they get on a plane, and bam, they're gone. I could take all the medication in the world. It doesn't matter. I'm still up, seeing every moment, thinking and praying something like this. Lord, I hope there's someone on the plane that you still have a plan for, so that this is not the last ride I make. How many of you always think this is the last ride when you get on a plane? Your prayer life improves. You start trying to connect theological bullet points, you know. Someone on here, you've got to, you're not finished with everybody on the plane, are you, Lord? Anyway. Son of God, son of man. Have you counted the cost? We're not going to first class accommodations. Now, he doesn't say to the guy, we're going to a storm in a graveyard, but I think you can read between the lines. He's saying, look, Have you counted the cost? There's no record of what the man did, but we assume from the dialogue he probably did not get into the boat. Case number two. Another of the disciples, a broader term outside of the apostles for those who were following Jesus, we don't know all the motives, said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. You might want to note the word first. But Jesus said to him, follow me, Here's meek and mild, politically correct Jesus, and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Now, if you're one of the apostles, you have to be thinking, Lord, can you be a little nicer? (laughs) These people are saying they want to follow you. Isn't that what you want? But the Lord knows every heart. And this man said, let me go first bury my father. Now, you need to understand something that in Jewish life, If a person died, they were buried on the same day of their death. There was no waiting, no process. They took the body, they they would wrap it and put spices, and they would bury it the same day. So scholars will point out that the man's father hasn't died yet. In Jewish uh, belief, it was the job of the oldest son to make sure that all the arrangements were made, and there's no way that this man would have been out following Jesus to place after place, looking, you know, observing the miracles, hearing the teaching, if his father had just died. His father wasn't dead. 
Well, what was going on then? Well, the man was basically saying, he was saying, this is my familial responsibility to make sure that I'm there for my parents throughout their life. And that's an honorable thing. We're supposed to honor father and mother. And essentially what he was saying is this, as we put together the pieces, that I'm going to stay home until my parents pass away. I'm going to get my inheritance and then I'll follow you. I'm going to wait till the golden years of my parents. And when they die, I'll get my inheritance. I'll have everything in order and then I'll follow you. Brothers and sisters, his father might have been months or perhaps years away from passing away. And do you know that Jesus was at least a year into his public ministry and there was only about two to two and a half years to go. And if this man is saying, I'm going to wait till my parents get old and die and then I'll follow you, there was no time. The window was closing and I I just want to say this in passing as an application point. If you're waiting until everything's lined up to get serious with the Lord, if you're waiting until your business finally hits a place where you get financial security and then you'll be a disciple of the Lord, good luck. There's never a perfect time. And it's always time to follow the Lord right now. Amen? Now things will look different at different seasons, don't get me wrong. But I think what Jesus is basically saying is this. The spiritually dead can bury the dead. They can take care of those arrangements. But if you're alive and you're going to preach the message of life, you get into the boat now. Don't make excuses. Don't give me your 20-year plan. I'm only going to be here two and a half more years. The window is going to shut quickly. We don't know what a day is going to bring, brethren. You understand that? I have a friend from high school, played baseball together, and he uh, decided to become a police officer, and he became an L.A. sheriff, and he did very well. And I remember talking to him, and I said, why L.A.? Why, why not pick a little beach town where it's relatively calm? L.A., where the gangs are and all that stuff? And he looked at me, and he said, Michael, do you want to play JV or varsity? <laughs> I was like, all right. But can I ask you a question? Do you want to just be one of those people that when you stand before your Lord, you're just going to be one of those people that was just an attender? What did you do with my son? Well, I, I attended church. What does that mean? See, Jesus is calling disciples. And he's saying, look, if you're going to follow me, the time is now. There will be no five years from now. I'm going to be gone. Now is the time to get serious with the Lord. Now, Luke fills in a gap and says, one more man came to him, three. This just for your notes, if you're taking notes. Another, Luke 9, 61, 62, said to him, Lord, I will follow you, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Pretty narrow, isn't it? These are words that Jesus said to people who were ready to commit and jump on board, but hadn't counted the cost. And so when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. That's what disciples do. There were people who said they wanted to follow, but the actual disciples followed him. Now it came about Luke 8.22 on one of those days that he and his disciples got into the boat. And he said to them, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. And off to the Sea of Galilee they go. 
and it's looking like a pretty good day, right? You're on the boat. Jesus is there. He's going to get a little shut-eye. Everything seems cool. Very familiar with this body of water, at least a portion of them. And behold, isn't it how life can change on a dime? There arose a great storm. Literally, the Greek word is seismos, where we get seismology. A great shaking in the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he himself was asleep. Luke 8.23 says, A fierce gale, like hurricane force winds, descended upon the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. I think Mark says they were in great danger. Have you ever said to someone, how can you sleep at a time like this? How, you might have some friends like this, can you eat at a time like this? And they might respond, I can eat anytime, day or night. Sleep anytime, day or night. Wake up and worry like the rest of us. All God's people said, yeah, that's sometimes how I am, right? People that enter into my misery. And so all of a sudden, the sea began to shake. A fierce gale of wind. The waves, Mark 4, 37, were breaking over the boat, so much so that the boat was already filling up. They were in serious danger. And fishermen had to ask a carpenter... To save them in the sea. How humiliating. On a natural level, if you're a fisherman and you fish that body of water your whole life and the carpenter's asleep over there and finally you decide, let's wake him up because he's no mere carpenter. Amen? But still on a human level, there had to be a little bit of that, you know, machismo kind of stuff going on. All right. Wake him up. He'll wake him up. He's so tired. How could he be sleeping? We're bailing water out of this boat and he's asleep. It's a great gift to be able to sleep during times like that. Teenagers usually have that gift. They say when you get older, you can't sleep as much, that anything will wake you up. Is that true? I'm not that old, so I don't... Sorry. So they came to him. They woke him up, 25, and they said, Save us, Lord. We are perishing. Mark 4.38 says, He himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not He might respond, that's why I'm here. So you won't perish. You think I don't care? That's why I'm in the boat right now with you. That's why I left the glories of heaven because I do care. Some years ago, I was watching a prosperity preacher, you know, one of these guys that say, if you follow Jesus, you always be wealthy, always be healthy, always be prosperous, dot, dot, dot. And he said, you know, These pastors and preachers who say that Jesus wasn't wealthy, they're wrong. They're always quoting that thing. He didn't have anywhere to lay his head. He didn't have anywhere to lay his head. I'm going to debunk that in this sermon. I was like, oh, this should be good. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. I'm not that old, so I don't. (laughs) Sorry. So they came to him, they woke him up, 25, and they said, Save us, Lord! We are perishing. Mark 4.38 says, He himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not. He might respond, That's why I'm here. So you won't perish. You think I don't care? That's why I'm in the boat right now with you. That's why I left the glories of heaven because I do care. Some years ago, I was watching a prosperity preacher, you know, one of these guys that say, if you follow Jesus, you always be wealthy, always be healthy, always be prosperous, dot, dot, dot. And he said, you know, These pastors and preachers who say that Jesus wasn't wealthy, they're wrong. They're always quoting that thing. He didn't have anywhere to lay his head. He didn't have anywhere to lay his head. I'm going to debunk that in this sermon. I was like, oh, this should be good. I usually talk to the TV, you know, when these things are happening. And he said, I'm going to prove it to you that Jesus was wealthy. And he turns to this account and he said, you see, he had a pillow. Wow. What an argument. Was it a gold pillow? Do you know where he got the pillow? From my pillow guy. (laughs) That guy's everywhere, isn't he? (laughs) Never mind. This prosperity preacher thought he had made his point. You see, he had a pillow. (laughs) So what? He's on a boat trying to get some sleep with probably 12 smelly men who are perspiring and without faith. Really? That's what you're going to preach from the pillow thing? That's desperation. So they said, Lord, don't you care? I will say on a serious note, when we're going through storms, we have to be honest. That's sometimes what we say. We pray, and we feel like maybe we're not getting anything or what we want to see happen, and we're we're like, do you care? Are you there, and do you care? Psalm 44, verses 20 through 26, just listen to it. If we had forgotten the name of our God or extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? He knows the secrets of the heart. 
But for your sake, we are killed all day long. Paul quotes this in Romans 8. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, don't reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? Our soul has sunk down into the dust. Our body cleaves to the earth. Rise up, be our help. Redeem us for the sake of thy loving kindness. Lord, don't you care? Well, when Jesus is on the boat, we all know that we're in pretty good shape, right? But sometimes it feels like he's sleeping. And, you know, the Bible teaches that God doesn't slumber or sleep. But in Jesus' humanity, this is part of the mystery of him becoming a human, he was tired. He was exhausted, so much so that he could sleep through all of this. And so they woke him up, Luke 8, 24. Master, master, we are perishing. And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and the surging waves. And they stopped and it became calm. Matthew reverses the order in 26 of our text. He he said to them, first he rebukes them, then he rebukes the sea. This is an important order, I think, here. He said to them, why are you timid? Why are you afraid? ESV, why are you fearful, New King James? You men of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. First he rebuked them, then the storm, and it became perfectly calm. The Greek word for timid here, if you're interested, delos, D-E-I-L-O-S. It's rare. It's basically a word that means faithless. It's used in Revelation 21.8 for a coward that the cowardly will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I tell you what, it gives me great pause. But when you read enough on this text and you kind of step back and you look at it from a very human perspective, you have to ask the question, what did he expect? One thing that we have to know about this storm is if experienced fishermen were that fearful of this storm, this had to be something different. And there are scholars that believe there's something dark about this storm, even devilish about it. We'll talk about the link to the next episode with the demoniacs in Gadara. But we have to ask a question, and maybe you're asking it right now. What does he expect them to do in a storm that seems like it's going to kill all of them? What does he want from me or you in times like this? Let me ask you. If you've ever hit turbulence on a plane, how do you do? Like, are you really strong? Ah, the Lord's got this. And I saw the captain walking in. He looked relatively uh, able. (laughs) Sometimes I've gone to some of those, uh, you know, they'll do those little uh, circus things. You know, they, they travel around and some of those rides look old. And oftentimes when I'm about to get on one of those rides, which I really don't do anymore, I begin to interview the operator. Where'd you go to school? Do you have all your teeth? Things like that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, that wasn't even in the notes. You can tell, huh? Does the Lord just expect, no, let him sleep. It's going to be fine. Perhaps he, perhaps this is an insight. Maybe he thought by this time they ought to know 
that this is not my destiny to drown in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to a cross. They have to know there's more destiny ahead for all of us. Is that what he's saying? Perhaps. But how strategic of a thinker are you in putting big picture theology together when you're in turbulence? How would you do on the boat? I mean, it's easy for me to read the story and go, oh, that man of little faith. Get it together. Until I look at my own life and realize how many times for less trying circumstances I've been completely without faith. And I've disappointed myself. And it's not been a storm that could swamp us on the Sea of Galilee. It's been for much lesser things. Perhaps O'Donnell brings a little balance. He says in his commentary, I think it's too much to claim, as a number of commentators do, that these disciples should have known that if Jesus died with them in the storm, the kingdom of God would die, which couldn't happen. I think that's too much to claim because who would think about such things, making these theological commitments and logical connections when waves are crashing over your head? It's easy for us at the safe distance to say, oh, they should have known better or they should have known what the wind and the waves already knew, close quote. You know, sometimes we look at Bible stories, we, we watch Old Testament Israel, and we are quick to say, oh, how, how could they do that with the glory cloud? You know, right there, every single day, the manna, the water from the rock, how could they be of so little faith until we hit a little bit of turbulence? And then I have to ask some deep questions about my faith. And of course, the Lord does use storms to stretch us and make us more like Him. You've been listening to King Over the Storm, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew, Chapter 8, Verses 18 through 27. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. So maybe you have been in the mode lately where you're just waiting for the storm. Yeah, you know it's coming, right? I just, I'm just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. And you're stuck in that mode and you're a Christian. And you're like, how could I be a Christian? And just anticipating the next calamity. What do I do? You know, there is such a thing as cataclysmic thinking. That is, I, I just going to anticipate the next storm. And of course, the big question if you're a cataclysmic thinker is, how do you stop it? How do you stop anticipating storms or, th- or thinking, I, yeah, just calm down, but another one's coming on the horizon. And if I told you, just read your Bible more or pray more, you might think, well, that's what every pastor says. And while that's true, there's more you can do. You have to change the way you think. What does that mean? Well, If you just think about and focus on today, that will help. Start with just today. You know, tomorrow's got enough problems of its own, right? You don't have to try to get ahead of yourself 
for tomorrow. How about today? And how about starting with just counting your blessings today? Focusing on the Lord first thing in the morning, today. You see, if you keep it at today, then let God deal with tomorrow because you can't control it anyway. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But don't think cataclysmically because the truth is we've had a lot of good days, most of us, right? A lot of calm days, a lot of days that have, you know, the sun has risen and set and there's not been any calamity. We've probably worried about more than created more calamity in our minds that ever happened to us. Some of you have had some tough sledding and I don't want to downplay that. But many of us create these giants in our mind that don't exist. And so I think that's a way that can help you. And as we've dealt with, you know, Jesus being the king that carries our burdens and king over the storm and all these things, this is where we find our hope and our anchor. Another way you can improve this kind of thinking is to get in fellowship. Find a local church, plug into it, make sure it's a good Bible teaching church. See you next time. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. You gotta check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 27, called King Over the Storm. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.